Open your Bibles to James, please, chapter 2. And tonight we'll be looking at uh, 14 through 26. I'd like to thank Brother Cain. I'm scared to death tonight, and I don't know why other than the subject. But he told me he prayed for me, and I really appreciate it. And if you'd say a quick prayer for me, I'd appreciate that. But this is a section of Scripture that really misunderstood, and uh, I can prove it to you in two ways, but first church I was ever in, a lot of trouble happened, and I went to a Baptist church without knowing anything about it whatsoever. And I, I'd been saved for a while. I, I didn't know anything about uh, statements of faith and such as that or asking people even about it. And I drove from Berkeley out La Pere to this uh, church. And the pastor uh, uh, preached the Sunday school message and a noonday message. And they had such a small crowd, they, didn't, they wouldn't open in the afternoon. So I stayed there, and, and I enjoyed what he said. And the next Sunday I went, and he was like sitting here on this step. His wife's over here somewhere. People scattered out. And uh, his wife got up and began to pass around pamphlets. And in front of it, it says General Baptist. And she did the Sunday school lesson, and she did uh, from verse 14. Uh, I don't know how far she got, but I caused her to lose her salvation three or four different times. And she wanted to kill me. She absolutely wanted to kill me before I could get out of there. Uh, When she started, she began with verse 14, and she was telling us how you had to work in order to be saved. And the ones of you that go in Pastor Jake's class know that if you say something like that, I'm definitely going to have something to say. Not that he says anything wrong, but I mean, I'm opinionated. And a lot of times, I apologize to him later. I said, Pastor, I'm sorry. Brain went in neutral, mouth in high gear. But this lady, she was going to teach a work salvation. And I said to her, uh, when I walked in the door, I come in knowing I'm saved by grace. But let's just suppose that I'm wrong and you're right. How long do I have to work? I don't know. What kind of work do I have to do? I don't know. Well, when am I going to know when it's enough? I don't know. And she was, she was this, I just ruined her lesson for her and the rest of the people, I guess, that believed it, but I wasn't about to let her get by with it. And if it had been a man, I'd have done the same thing. Now, uh, Dr. McGee is one of my heroes. I can't help it. I brag on him all the time. I'm going to keep on bragging on him. And I read his section of this scripture, and if I wanted to do it verbatim, I couldn't. And I didn't feel it would be fair to him to read his message verse by verse because I can't, you know, I, I just can't compare it to him. But I got an idea of what he was doing. And uh, in this section, 14 through 26, 
It's where God tests believers' faith by good works. And uh, <clears throat> verse 14 is the interpretation of faith. And if we miss that, then the lesson is down the drain. Because you've you got to understand that verse. So that's the interpretation of faith. And verse 15 through 20 is the identification of our faith, or faith. And then verse 21 through 26 is the illustration of faith. Now, people that read this section oftentimes think that there's contradiction in the Scripture. And they say Paul wrote one way and James wrote another. And they say that James and Paul uh, slugged it out. And uh, they, they both talked differently when it comes to salvation. So there must be more contradictions in one in the Scripture because in the New Testament, just Paul and James. But I submit to you that they did not stand face-to-face slugging it out. They stood back-to-back helping people. And they both taught salvation by grace. One is showing people God's side of it, which is our faith. God can only one can see the heart. And James is pointing out what man can see. And that is the difference. Now, uh, verse 14 here, he says, What is the prophet, my brethren, though a man say you have faith and have not works, can faith save him? That's not a believer. That's a non-believer. No, no faith, no works. Now, you don't get saved by works. I recognize that, and so does everyone in here. You're saved by grace. Faith alone saves, but the faith that saves is never alone. You need to have good works. Not to get saved, but because you are saved. So, that, I guess, has caused a problem. It don't cause a problem with me, except in that one time I... Uh, left and never did go back. Now, verse 15 to 17 is part of the identification. And it says, If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. I speak. I guess that in the early church, there was very rich and the very poor. There was slave masters, slave owners, and slaves. And the illustration here is that some of those people were saying, yes, I'm saved. But when somebody needed a helping hand, I'm praying for you, God bless you, brother, and out the door they go. What he's trying to to say to the people is this. If you have the means to help a brother or sister that's a born-again believer, not everybody that comes along, knocks on the door, says, need $5, but somebody, say, here in this church. If I have the means to help them, and I don't, then everything I've said is just a lie. It doesn't mean that you won't pray for them. 
But in, in the context of James's writing, he's trying to point out for positive and sure that there was people there who could help and they would not. And to that person, he says your faith is dead because it's alone. And then, verse uh, 18 through 20, and it says, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I show thee my faith by thy works. Thou believest there is one God that doeth well. The, dev- the devils, or demons, should be believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Now, how many of you has been coming here 15 years? bunch of you, I guess. Okay? Uh... I have no sense of direction, but if we go down the steps, go to 13 like he's going to McDonald's, right? Take a left. There's a little church. Is it in that direction? Okay. That man used to run commercials on television. And he had like three or four pretty young ladies. And they weren't dressed very nice. And they talked about Jesus as he was a boyfriend. And I thought, there's something bad, bad wrong over there. But I didn't do anything about it. A few days later, he had a young man on there that was a hippie-like fellow on a bungee cord. Got milk under it, something like no Jesus. And I didn't like that either. So I decided, instead of just sitting at home and saying I don't like it, I was going to call him. I called him. And uh, I don't know if it was the pastor himself or just somebody that was a member, but I said, uh, I didn't try to trick him, but I didn't tell him the truth. I said, I want you to tell me how to get saved. He said, believe in Jesus. I said, well, if I do believe in Jesus, how do I get saved? And the second time, I could tell he was angry. So I kept asking him. And finally he got tired of me asking and hung up. only thing he would tell me is, uh, I believe in Jesus. Never one time did he say, do you know that you're a sinner and that you need to be forgiven and you need to have uh, the blood of Christ wash your sins away? He never said, have you ever read any of the Scriptures? Do you know what the Scriptures trying to tell you when you read? Nothing. Nothing like that at all. And so I draw from that 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 man was a phony. And later on, he went out of business. And I was talking to a, a gentleman at work. And uh, he was telling me that he went to this particular denomination. And uh, I said, tell me about that church. He said, no different Baptist because he knew I was... Baptist, he'd come in, I'd be playing CDs and stuff at work or listening to Dr. McGee. And uh, he said that uh, this is no different. And I said, well, what's your pastor's name? And he told me, but it was way away. And one day I was going down Campbell. And on the way down Campbell, I noticed the same church. And so when I got home, I called and a lady answered the phone. And I said, 
Is there any chance that your pastor would be there? He sure is. I said, uh, would, would you tell him if somebody on the phone wants to know how to be saved? And she said, oh, be delighted. And I said, well, I'm wrong about this one. He got on the phone. I'm, <clears throat> yeah, the phone. And uh, I said, uh, again, I, di- I didn't tell him the truth, but I didn't lie to him either. And uh, I said, uh, can you tell me how to get saved? Yeah, I'd be happy to. He said, believe in Jesus. And I said, well, what else I got to do? He said, believe in Jesus. I said, no scripture? No. You just have to believe. And uh, so he had no uh, desire to tell me how to be saved or he was, you know, not real. And then, I shouldn't tell you all this, but I will. I couldn't get a job anywhere. Except and I went downtown, a roll oak, and started washing dishes. And a lady with a bartender come in there, and she says, Hi, now, where could you do this? I said, I got a wife and a son. It's the only job I can get. I don't have no education. Well, I wouldn't do that. And I said, well, I wouldn't serve liquor either. But uh, there was probably 20 young people from 15 to 22, 23 that had different things to do. But from time to time, they would work in my area. And when I went there, uh, there's a little radio station there in Royal Oak. And I think it's still there, but they don't play any... Uh, preachers that I want to listen to. But I had uh, made arrangements with the kitchen manager that if I had to listen to rock and roll and all the other stuff when when I was there at uh, 7.30 at night to 8 o'clock, they had to let me listen to a preacher. And then from 8.30 to 9 o'clock, they had to listen, let me listen to a preacher. So the kitchen manager said, well, I'm not here anyway, so I don't care. And one of the younger guys come in when his shift started, and he brought this, we call them boom box, that I could probably that big, set up in my work area and turned it on, and now I'm playing. He said, oh man, what do you think you're doing? And I said, getting rid of the noise. He says, you can't do that to me. And I said, yes, I can. So he said, what if I take you outside and whoop you? And I said, well, what if we go outside and you don't whip me? He says, "Uh, I don't have to worry about that. And I said, I'll tell you what, you probably could whip me. And I'd rather not fight you. I'd rather just tell you that your music offends me. Well, I don't care. And he used some words that uh, he shouldn't be using. But... He and about at least 12 or 15 more was all bus kids from a church in Royal Oak. And you could look them dead in the eye and they'd never bat an eye. They says, I know I'm saved. It's by faith in Jesus. And that's all they knew. But they believed that hearing that Christ was their Savior, that's all they had to do. And so, three reasons here from 17 to 20, that I, I know for a fact 
that uh, uh, people just don't really uh, know the Lord, and if they do, they're babes in the faith. They can't help nobody, and uh, don't want to help nobody, and don't want to help themselves. Now, going to church will never make you saved. But going to church is proof positive that you probably are saved. I know there's people that go to church that's not, but you get out on the cold winter night and go to church, you try and serve the Lord. It's pretty good proof to me that, that you're born again, but it doesn't mean that you don't have to trust Christ. And my whole point up to right now is that I say, I don't know how to put this, except just come right out with it, I guess. I think there's a lot of head knowledge that's been around a long time, say like 1950, a parent had the knowledge of Christ. But, man, let's don't go to church. And so they, they have kids. And the kids have head knowledge in 1970. They got kids at two years old. Nah, I don't really want to go to church. And and on it goes. And the closer we get to the return of Christ, the more apostasy we're going to deal with. And I believe that when uh, Brother King was talking about a small membership, that a lot of people, when memberships were real large, I believe that a, a, a lot of people wasn't saved. And, and they just kind of, I don't mean that everybody was lost, but I'm saying I don't believe everybody was saved. And they gradually go away. And the, if the Lord waits ten more years, this crowd will be smaller than it is right now. But it's just the, the way... Uh, Life goes, and, and so I am, I personally am hard on people. Uh, when you live as wicked and ungodly as I did, and then you come to the Lord, and you want to see your brother, your sister, your girlfriend, your uncle, your dad, uh, people that you're working with saved, and you begin to talk to them, and they say, well, you don't need to tell me about the Lord. <laughs> I've been saved 35 years. You have? Sure. I said, well, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? Here, I'm on my way to hell throughout eternity, and you say you know the Lord. And when we were sharing that bottle of liquor, you didn't think about telling me? And Sunday morning, when we was in that card game, me and you was in that card game together, and you know the Lord, you didn't think about telling me? There's something wrong. Something bad wrong. And so, I am hard on people. But I'm hard on people because I love people. Now, look at uh, verse 15 again. John, the beloved, said... We ought to die for one another. Now, I don't think any of y'all here love me enough to die for me. And I guarantee you, I'm not going to volunteer to take your place. But the point is, if you 
truly are born again and you love your brothers and sisters and they're in need, you're going to do something. I love for Christ. Look at John chapter 3. First John. First John chapter 3. I'm, I'm going to read verse 16, 17, and 18. He says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath the world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and truth. Now, as far as I'm concerned, James and John went together. Now, Paul, I said, uh, I didn't say, but Paul was a grace preacher. James is a grace preacher. Paul wanted you to understand that you're saved by grace and faith. James wanted you to understand that if you profess to be saved and you have no works, you don't care about people, then you're probably not saved. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 and 2, Paul talks about to the Corinthian believers, he says, You're saved, but what I preach unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Then, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, he says to those people, Examine yourself. Check on your faith. Are you saved? Do you know for sure you're saved? Examine yourself. And that's exactly what James is saying here. If you examine yourself and you find that you're not doing nothing for God, then you need to change your ways. They don't say it, they do say it, but it's hillbilly. You've got to read in between the lines sometimes. Now, <clears throat> go back to the uh, second chapter of James, and this is where uh, a lot of people get confused, and even me. I'm going to see what, what the note says here. I want to read uh, uh, verse 21 through 24, and by the way, this is the illustration of faith. And it says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. And Scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed to him for righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. Now, you see where uh, James is saying Abraham was justified by works? But flip back to Romans, the fourth chapter. Verse 1, 2, 3. It says, What shall we say then that Abraham my father as pertaining to the flesh hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, 
He hath whereof the glory, but not before God. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Now, does anybody remember the book that Pastor Jake just finished up in the Old Testament? Of course you do. Genesis, right? Did we finish Genesis yet? I thought we did, but maybe we didn't. Anyway, in Genesis 15, verse 6, Paul draws his illustration when he's talking to the Romans about Abraham. He says, justified by faith. Now, James is drawing his illustration from Abraham also. But James is in Genesis chapter 22, I think it's verses 1 through 19. And the question is asked, uh, was uh, Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac? Well, he didn't offer Isaac, did he? He tied him up. Wood was burning. Knife was in his hand. And God called him out of heaven and stopped him. So the way he was justified was God could see his heart and his faith. But man had to see his works. And he uh, was willing to offer his son because he knew and believed that God would raise him from the dead. Now, I guarantee you, anybody here that's ever taught a class can tell you this better than I can. But have you heard the story about another father who had a son, his only son, that gave his son, huh? Um, I I just uh, get teased some, and I tease uh, people, but I love Schofield Bible, and especially when I'm attempted to teach Scripture and don't know what I'm doing. Now I want to read something that I took from my footnotes from Schofield. And it's verbatim. So we have just looked at two aspects of one truth. Paul speaks of that which justifies men before God, and it's faith alone, wholly apart from works. James, of the proof before men that he who professes to have justifying faith really has it. Paul speaks of faith God sees, James of works, man sees. And uh, I'm blessed that way. Because none of you knows what I'm saved tonight. And I don't know what you're saved tonight. I'd be willing to bet what little I have in the bank that every one of you are. But I don't know that. So the proof that Bill Wilson saved is I got enough nerve to get up here knowing that God will deal with me if I don't attempt to preach the truth the way I see it. Now, I'm not saying that I'm right and everybody else is wrong, but I'm giving you what I believe to be God's truth. And there's men and women that profess Christ daily, and I don't believe they're saved. And my heart breaks for them. And and I said a little while ago, I'm tough on people. I don't know how to be gentle. I come up in the school of hard knocks. 
No education. I'm not complaining, and I'm not bragging. I'm stating fact, and only a fact. But I love the Lord. And Brother Kim back there taught a wonderful message this morning, and I enjoyed it very much. And he says to me, you're going to enjoy this, Bill. And he was talking about Simon Peter. I love it. I don't understand all his writing, but he's got more scars on his knees than I have on mine. He fell down. He got up and took another step. He fell down and got up and took three steps. And he fell down and he got up and took four steps. And he just kept going and going and growing. And when the tradition says when he was about to be crucified, he told the people he wasn't worthy to be crucified in the same manner as the Lord Jesus and asked to be turned upside down. And the last verse in his epistle is to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Well, I haven't reached my full potential, but I'm trying. And I know I make mistakes, so just continue to pray for me. Now, the last illustration uh, here is uh, Rahab the, the harlot, and it's verse 25 and 26 of chapter 2. Likewise also was Rahab the harlot justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Now, what did that lady do when those spies came to her house? Did she say, quick, I'm going to run down and Turn you in? Or did she say, I'm going to hide you. I'm going to help you. Forty years before Joshua attacked the city of Jericho, Israel, on the other side of Jordan, had wiped out Og and Somebody, that doesn't matter, but Israel had totally wiped them out. And everybody in Jericho knew about that. But she believed. And her faith was seen by God. But she turned her back on everything that she had and hid those spies. And not only did she hide them, but she told them how to escape. Now there is faith and action. Uh, I wish I'd wrote those three songs down that Dot McGee said. He said she didn't sit on the sideline and say Jesus uh, keeps and satisfies. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Three songs that went along with the fact that she didn't say I'm saved. I'm just going to trust God. I know He's not going to let nothing happen to me. No, no, she didn't. She acted on her faith and she hid the spice. And then, she spoke up for her family. And uh, I take it that many of her family was saved. I don't know that. can't prove it. 
But the lady believed and received the spies. Now, you and James just turned back to one book to the 11th chapter of Hebrews. I hadn't intended to read that one verse, but I'm going to read verse 30 and 31. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. So, I... was saved. I knew I was. I was divorced, and I found out my son was, at, at about three years old, uh, had some mental problems. And doctor told his mother and I that uh, he would never be normal. He was always going to be the way he is today. And uh, like I said, I was saved, and, and I began to witness to her. And after a year of holding hands with my ex-wife, and she was driving from Berkeley out to where I worked, she made a profession of Christ. One, one year, I think, to the day after I got saved, or two years or whatever, and as soon as we got married, boy, I thought I was never going to get you to remarry me. And I said I wouldn't have if you hadn't made a profession of faith. Even though I love my son dearly, I wouldn't have done it. Well, I don't believe what you believe. And I'm going to tell you something. I know from personal experience that people can say they're saved and they're not. And I feel truly sorry for any man or any woman who has a spouse, a son or daughter, that don't know Christ. And there's a lady in here tonight, my heart just goes out to because she is so faithful and praying for her son and his family. And we all pray for our loved ones. I know that. And I think, truthfully, that we all have people, whether it be... On down the street or whatever, people we could witness to more, pray about more, invite the church more, and especially people that's related to us, if we have any doubt, they're not saved. We should pray for them, witness to them, plead with them, but not argue. You, you never win them by fighting with them. So... Paul, salvation by grace. James, salvation by grace. Of the approximately 40 preachers, or excuse me, 40 writers of Scripture, approximately 39 Jewish believed that one was a Gentile, and every one of them taught salvation by grace. So, you pray for me that I'll be a better witness to my wife and my brother-in-law, and I'll pray for you 
that you'll be a better witness and that you'll pray more for your people and maybe we can see the little church filled up again. And not because Jennifer's here and not because of pastor let me speak, but he's working real hard. And a pastor can get overloaded and burnt out. And we need to, to pray for him that God will energize him and that he will uh, not burn himself out. Not ever burn himself out to the Lord. I think what I mean. But, you know, you try to do too much and it's, it's not right. And uh, just one other thing and I'll be done. A pastor should be paid equal to people in the church. I believe that in all my heart. Uh, he wouldn't say that. And a lot of other people wouldn't. But uh, I was, I said I'd be done, but I, forgive me for lying. I was talking to a pastor, and he was mad at his people. He says, uh, I tell my deacon board what to do, and they do it. I tell my congregation what to do, and they do it. And I said, is that right? He said, yeah. And I seen him about uh, uh, two weeks later, and he was crying the blues. I said, what's wrong with you? Try to get a raise, and they wouldn't give it to me. I said, I said well, you know, maybe you should do just a little more than you do around the church yourself to help them out. Probably shouldn't have said it, but I, I just it didn't sit well with me. When, but but honestly, we we need to do the best we can with our finances, help the church, help the people, and God will bless us. And uh, thank you. And I know you're glad Pastor Jake's coming back, and so am I. I love you. So that gentleman's here this morning. He was. Uh, a, a good speaker. I enjoyed his message. But he's not her pastor. And, I, and I'm looking forward to Pastor Jake getting back. And Thank you. Uh, Father, uh, thank you for the people that turned out here tonight. And I know I can't do justice to your word, but I do what I can with what you give me to do. And I thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the people and protect the pastor and Paul as they travel home. Help us all to be a bold witness. And then, Lord, uh, that uh, you'll work on the hearts and lives of people that it's in our life that don't know you as Savior. Forgive us all and help us all. In Jesus' name, amen.